0: الحمد لله حمدا كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه كما يحب ربنا ويرضى اشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله الناصح الامين اللهم صل على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين وممتسكا بسنته يوم الدين ثم اما بعد الحمد لله على نعمه الاسلام Our oh, praise and thanks belong to Allah for guiding us to Islam and for guiding us to the Sunnah حدثني جماعه من الشيوخ باسناد كل الى سفيان بن عيينة عن عمرو بن دينار عن ابي قابوس مولى عبد الله بن عمرو عن عبد الله بن عمرو بن عاص رضي الله تعالى عنهما ان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال ارحمونا الرحمن ارحموا من في الارض يرحمكم من في السماء the prophet sallallahu he said that those who are merciful, they will be shown mercy by the most merciful. Be merciful to those who are in the earth, and the one who is above the heavens will show you mercy. This hadith is tremendous. Knowledge is mercy. The result of knowledge is mercy in this world And the ultimate goal of knowledge is mercy in the hereafter. We continue going over the tremendous book by the Imam, Imam al Nawi rahimahullah ta'ala, the book which is his 40 hadith. His 40 hadith. al arbaun al We have reached the 11th Hadith we've reached the 11th Hadith in this tremendous book and remember that each Hadith inside of this collection then it highlights a principle from the principles of the religion, those principles by way in which have a direct effect and impact upon our lives. The 11th Hadith and Abu Muhammad Al Hassan bin Ali bin Abi Talib is on the authority of Abu Muhammad Al Hassan bin Ali bin Abi Talib Ta'ala and Huma. Sip the Rasululahi sallallahu alayhi wa Rabbi Allahu Taala anhuma. He was the grandson of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and he was the beloved of the the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wasallam wa Rabbi Allahu Taala anhuma. He said, "Qal, hafidtu min Rasulillahi sallallahu alaihi wasallam." He said that I memorized from the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and this is a good reminder because uh, both Al-Hasan and Hussain they were from the younger of the Sahaba Na'am? they were from the younger of the Sahaba and we, we see here in this narration where he said I memorized from the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he's, uh, yani, uh, this was his, his grandson his grandson Na'am? Which shows us that the Prophet ﷺ, he was very loving, and he will spend time with his grandchildren, and he will benefit them, um, not only in the worldly affairs, and showing them kindness, and you know so on and so forth, from their upbringing, and from raising them, but also, they will learn from him matters of the religion. They will learn from him matters about the religion, about the deen. And this is of tremendous importance that... Uh, every parent and every grandparent need to pay very close attention to and that is is that We have to have a concern to teach our children those good things those good wholesome uh, Things about their religion so that they know them so that they may implement them and benefit from them throughout the course of their lives He said I memorized from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam That ma yareebuka ila ma la Leave that which makes you doubt, for that which does not make you doubt. Leave that which causes you doubt, for that which does not cause you doubt. Now, in this hadith rawahu nisai at hadith This hadith has been collected by al and An nisai And Imam he mentioned, he said that this hadith is hasan sahih, meaning that there is a chain of this hadith that reaches the level of Hassan and another chain of this hadith that reaches the level of sahih that reached the level of authentic so this hadith has been authentically reported upon the prophet wherein he said da'ma yareebuk ila ma la ila ma la leave that which makes you doubt for that which does not make you doubt and Sheikh Abdul Muhsin Al-Abad Al-Badr, ta'ala, he mentions, he says, Hadha That this hadith, then there is a command inside of this narration that an individual should leave alone and abandon that in which they have doubt about. So those things in which we doubt, na'am. Meaning those things that we doubt whether or not they are permissible or impermissible Halal or haram Then we leave them alone We don't embark upon them And we leave them until we know the ruling Once we know the ruling Then we will know whether to embark upon it Or to avoid it Because we will know whether it is halal or haram whether it is permissible or impermissible. Now, so there has to be a level of caution that an individual takes as relates to those affairs that are rela- that related to their, their deen and those affairs that are related to their, their dunya. nam. Is that if something causes you to doubt, you're apprehensive about something, then it's best to avoid it until you have certainty as relates to the best course of action as relates to that particular affair. The shaykh, he says, those things uh, those things in which your يعني, soul, na'am, wala that a person's soul feels uneasy about. You find that your soul is not, yani, completely um, secure as relates to it, and thus you feel uneasy as relates to that particular thing. yuhdithu and it causes within you apprehension. It causes within you worry, right? What what the nafs It causes an apprehension or uneasy feeling or worry or anxiety inside of yourself as relates to this particular affair. And ila ma ma ilayhi. Then a person he should leave that, that thing which causes him apprehension, that thing which causes him doubt, and thus move to those things in which he does not feel any doubt as relates to it, those things in which his soul feels comfortable as relates to those things, uh, so on and so forth. This hadith is tremendous as relates to our affairs, is tremendous as it relates to our ibadat, as our worship, and other than that, insha'Allahu ta'ala, as we will come to see, and it is a tremendous principle inside of the religion. The Shaykh Yuzani he mentions, he says, وَهَذَا well, الْحَدِيثِ شَبِيهٌ بِمَا تَقَدَّمَ مِن حَدِيثِ نُعْمَان بِن بَشِيرٌ And this hadith is very similar to that which has already proceeded from the hadith of Numan bin Bashir, one of the other narrations that we previously went over. And that is the statement of the Prophet sallallahu wasallam. Famanid Tepa soever abandons and they stay away from the doubtful matters. Then he would have safeguarded his religion and safeguarded his honor, his reputation. Now, woman wakah and whoever enters into those doubtful matters, those matters in which they don't have complete clarity as relates to them those matter in which they don't know whether they are halal or they are haram, whether they are permissible or impermissible, they don't know. They fall into them. Whoever falls into doubtful matters, nam, for وَقَعَ fil haram, Then they will eventually fall into the haram. nam. Then they will eventually fall into the haram. Why? Because doubtful matters, right? If We take a number of doubtful matters. If a person makes it their habit to embark upon things which are doubtful, things in which it is not 100% clear to them, Their ruling, whether they are permissible or impermissible, whether they are halal or haram. There are going to be certain things that they don't know the ruling as relates to them, um, but they are halal. So if they did it, they will be doing the halal unbeknownst to them. But likewise, there are also going to be things that are haram. They just don't know the ruling because it is doubtful for them. So because they are in the habit of falling into doubtful matters, it's only يعني, a matter of time before they eventually fall into the haram. Na'am? So the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Soever so falls into the doubtful matters, for وَقَعَ فِي haram, then they will fall into the haram, because eventually a person will fall into that which is impermissible. They will fall into that which is impermissible, impermissible. Na'am? And as relates to the doubtful affairs, as the Prophet ﷺ, he explained, that many people don't know their ruling But some people do now, They're doubtful And that doubt is as relates to the individual It's not as relates to the legislation As relates to the legislation Then that which is halal is halal That which is haram is haram And it has been explained But on an individual level There may be certain issues That a particular specific person Is unaware of their ruling but that doesn't mean that someone else is also unaware of their ruling. Just because some people don't know or most people don't know, doesn't negate the fact that what? that some people do know. So from those things that are doubtful, they are from the ulema who know, they are from the scholars, those who know their ruling. They know that this thing is either halal or it is haram, it is permissible or it's impermissible. It is just the individual themselves that they are unaware. And they are unaware. So, in staying away from that which is doubtful, then a person will safeguard themselves. Now, the person will safeguard themselves. That's like, for an example, if there were um, a bunch of money on the table, and we say, okay, some of this money is permissible. Some of this money is impermissible. Some of this money was earned through halal means, and some of this money here has been stolen. But it's money, it all looks the same, which, Uh, monetary notes have been stolen which monetary notes have been acquired legally, you don't know because they have all been put together right, so if you start to take dollars and you know off of that table, eventually you will collect that which is lawfully acquired and that which has been illegally acquired it'll all come into it, right in that situation you'll say, well you know it's better for me to avoid it, right, but another example it's like if you were giving an assortment of sweets, an assortment of candy, right, they all look the same and it was said to you, well, they have been mixed up and some of, and some pieces of this candy, some of these pieces of candy, they have been laced with arsenic, right? Other pieces of the candy is completely fine. So there's poison in some, there's no poison in others, but they all look the same and you have no way of determining which is which because you yourself don't know. Would you eat from that candy? No, it's not worth it. Okay, maybe not arsenic, maybe salmonella, right? Or other than that, which will cause you stomach pains and you know stomach issues, right? But still, would you eat from it? No. Okay, maybe not even laced with poison. Some of it is spoiled, and some of it is fresh. Some of it is rotten, and some of it is good. They all look the same. Would you? Would you try to? No. You say I don't want to bite into a rotten piece of fruit, right? So, how much more so than things that are haram, that are impermissible, things that are embarking upon them with within themselves, sinful? Then we will stay away from it, and it behooves us to to stay away from it. Now, uh, the sheikh he mentions um, very important point that Imam Ibn Rajab, he mentions, and Imam uh, Ibn Rajab uh, rahimahullah ta'ala, he mentions two very important points that um, we want to get into before we get into the issues of, uh, of wara' and some practical examples on how this will have a bearing for us in our day-to-day life as relates to our day-to-day uh, acts of worship, right? Or a couple of our day-to-day acts of worship. Imam Ibn Rajab, he mentions, inside of jami al-ulum wal-hikam he mentions, he says he said the meaning of this hadith uh, then it will return back to a person stopping الشبهات, that a person will stop and they will not embark upon doubtful matters, that they will stop wa and they will have caution as relates to them because that which is purely, clearly permissible, it doesn't bring about any doubt in the heart of a believer okay, so if someone presented to you orange juice for example, no one has any doubt on whether or not that drink is permissible this is orange juice permissible right if someone presented you with water, you know uh mango juice, lemonade, iced tea, no one doubts is this permissible is it not permissible i don't everyone knows that's permissible that's clearly permissible now so that which is clearly permissible doesn't bring about doubt inside of the heart of a person a mana <inaudible> Al Doubt here, it means what? That is a person is apprehensive as relates to it. They are doubtful as relates to that particular affair. Uh, that a person they are apprehensive. Whereas that which is not doubtful, then a person their soul feels tranquil as relates to it and the heart feels tranquil as relates to it but as far as the doubtful matters biha, يعني للقلب then if it's doubtful it will make a person feel apprehensive they will, they will feel unsure and this doubt this apprehensiveness then this is that which is required, or that which is a must and a given when it comes to doubtful matters, when it comes to that which makes you doubt. So when a person embarks upon something which is doubtful, right, they feel unsure about it. For example, there may be a wine cooler looking beverage, right, and as, and as is known, there are some that are alcohol free they have zero percent of alcohol right however the 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 bottles that they come in look like alcoholic beverages and their taste may be very similar to alcoholic beverages if a person were to drink from the likes of these drinks which are well known right without knowing Exactly if, if it's from the non-alcoholic variety or the alcoholic variety, this will cause a panic. This will cause apprehension. It'll be apprehensive. Well, after they drink it, they will feel unsure. SubhanAllah, maybe I just, you know, like this, right? Or, for example, if a person were to bite into a slice of pizza that had on a turkey ham, it looks like ham the taste is extremely similar, they will panic and think, I don't know, what is this? It will cause them to be worried until what? Until someone assured them that no, this is turkey ham, or this is yani, turkey pepperoni, halal pepperoni, halal you know, turkey ham, then they will feel good. But before then, they'll be worried because they will feel as if, SubhanAllah, I just ate pork, right? And, 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 and so on and so forth. So this is that apprehensiveness and this is that uh, worry and that and that uneasy feeling that doubt causes. When something is doubtful, you're not sure about it, you feel unease, you feel worried in your heart. You feel, oh, no, this doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. Why? Because I don't know. Had you known, then you wouldn't have that feeling. You say, this this halal you're talking about. This is, this is iced tea. Right? <laughs> this is lemonade. What do you mean? You, you don't have the doubt when it comes to things that are clearly um halal. And this is this is a, a very important point that Imam Ibn Rajab he mentions. Nam. <inaudible> then Imam uh, in, uh Imam Rajab he goes on to say another very important point. He says wa Huna. <inaudible> he said and here has to be mentioned what <inaudible> uh Uh that there is an affair That it is a must that we have Complete knowledge and understanding As relates to it That as relates to Avoiding and staying away from doubtful matters right when an individual will really look into this affair and investigate this affair of staying away from doubtful matters and abstaining from falling into that which is doubtful then this only benefits the individual who their affairs are upright all of their affairs meaning that credence is only given in this situation to those who the whole of their affair is upright, right? Meaning that they stay away from the haram that is clear and they stay away from doubtful matters. So a person in this type of situation, then they will be given credit, for lack of a better term, for staying away from doubtful matters because in this type of situation, well, it makes sense. They stay away from the haram and they stay away from that which is doubtful. So that makes sense. they will get credit for that. That action of theirs will lend for them credence, wara. So you find that their actions as relates to them having fear, having taqwa piety, and of abstaining from overindulge, over then it is the same. It is equal, right? It is similar, it's in the same ballpark. So this person we give credit to because what they're doing, it makes sense. They stay away from the haram and they stay away from that which is doubtful. That makes 100% sense. That's the way it should be. However, Shaitan has a way of tricking people. It has a way of having people focus their attention on things that are of lesser benefit. And just like the Shaytaan has a way of making people focus in on staying away from that which is less dangerous while they embark upon that which is more dangerous now right so he has them stay away from that which is less dangerous while they embark upon that which is more dangerous so the shaykh he went mentions he says he he said but as far as the one who they embark upon things that are clearly haram An individual, he embarks upon that which is clearly haram ثم يريد أن عن But then he wants to stay away from that Those yeah, extremely doubtful matters Or those things that are obscurely doubtful He wants to stay away from those things but at the same time, he's doing complete haram. <laughs> Allah stand, right? I, and I'll give you an example. I think I mentioned this before in previous classes. It was a real-life situation that was just absurd. It was absurd. I was, I was in a store one time, and I was buying some candy, right? And the gentleman next to me, he leans over to me, and he says, Brother, you need to be careful to make sure that there's no pork in that candy, I said, what? There's no pork in the candy? He said, yes, you need to make sure. This is candy, you know, some candy. He said, you need to make sure, brother, that that candy is halal. There's no pork in that candy. Now, while he's telling, saying this to me, I, have, I look at him, he's next to me in line, and I look and see what he's about to purchase, and it's a six-pack of beer. <laughs> it's a six-pack of beer. And he's saying, you better make sure that that candy's halal. I said, well brother, that's definitely not halal. That's clear, you might about to buy beer, and you gonna tell me about my candy? Really? So this is an example of the absurdity of that situation. So in essence, what could be assumed upon the zahir is that he'll stay away from that candy because it might be haram, might not be halal, but he buys his six pack of, of, uh, of beer. Allah Mustain. And it's not the non alcoholic kind. And we say, Oh you did No, it was it was not the non-alcoholic kind. No. It was the wrong one. <laughs> maybe, maybe Muslim. I, <laughs> I don't know. There was no signs, you know what I mean? Allahu <laughs> Alam. I mean he gave me salams, you know, he seemed, you know. It was just unfortunate situation. Because and, and and you know and uh, he was just a bad guy in his defense, I would say. Because when I said that to him, he didn't offer any argument. He just you know he took it on the chin like, well, touche. <laughs> what well, was that? But you know this is what you find, and how often do you find this? Any individuals who, you know, unfortunate. we know this? Any from our own experience right here? We come to the masjid and uh, have If and say, hey. Is that is that the biha? Like really? That's what you want to argue about right now? You're in the masjid. People people presenting to you food. And You're gonna ask me, is it is it the biha? You know. Then you have individuals who are like this, and they will and they will argue you down the biha, not the biha, so on and so forth. And but then they they eat in riba. You, you eat riba. You're about whether or not this just just chicken is is the biha. <laughs> you're about this chicken that came from a Christian or a Jew. If it's the biha, yeah. and you eat in riba. Like that's 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 what we are working with right now. Allah Mustaan. You know, but this is this is the absurdity that Imam Ibn Rajab is pointing out. Is that if if an individual is going to have a concern about staying away from the doubtful matters, then more so they have to have a concern in staying away from matters that are clearly Haram, clearly impermissible. You have to stay away from those affairs as well. And that takes precedence, and even more so. So if you're going to stay away from the doubtful matters, then even more so, you have to stay away from that which is clearly haram. And the Sheikh says for innahu la that would not he we will not get any consideration as it relates to that particular thing. But rather he will be reprimanded, individual who fits this bill. That they avoid doubtful matters while embarking upon that which is clearly impermissible, then they are to be reprimanded. كَمَا ibn Umar أُمَرٍ ta'ala عَنْهُمَا Like Ibn Umar he mentioned, uh, لِمَنْ سَأَلَهُ عَنْ دَمِ الْبَعُوضَ now, like he 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 mentioned to the one who asked him about the blood of the of the بعوض of the, the mosquito. He asked about the blood in the you know you hit a mosquito and the blood come out. Okay, he asked about the blood of the mosquito. Okay, من العراق, uh-huh. and he was from the people of Iraq. No? he was Iraqi. So Ibn Umar he responded to him. He said yes. يسألون he says he says يسألوني عن دم البعوض وقد قتل الحسين. وسمعت والنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول هما رَيْحَانَتَيَّ He said in reprimanding this individual, they come in and asking him about the blood of a mosquito. He said, they're asking me about the blood of a mosquito when they are from the, individ- they are from the people who murdered Hussein. They're asking about the blood of a, of a mosquito when you're people who have murdered a human being. An individual who, he said, I heard the Prophet say that both him and his brother are from the most beloved ones to me in this world. And you want to ask about a mosquito? Right? Which is highlighting the absurdity of the likes of that. This hadith, the ulama they mentioned, also, we benefit from it is that this hadith is from those hadith that show us the concept of wara. It shows the concept of abstaining. Now, And what, what I is, in a nutshell, is that an individual, they abstain from indulging in that which is doubtful, and they abstain from overindulging in that which is permissible out of fear of falling into the impermissible. Right? So they may abstain from things because they're not 100% sure, so they'll stay away from it. And they also will abstain from things that... Maybe are permissible, but due to the fact that they are of less benefit, they won't embark or indulge in those things because they prefer to deal with things that are of more benefit out of fear that they may fall into some type of negligence by overindulging in things that are of no benefit. Now, It's like those who overindulge in that which is mubah. They may overindulge in, for example, following the news. Right, so they so they read all the newspapers. They spend all day listening to all the news outlets and so on and so forth. This within itself is mubah to to keep up with the current events and what's going on. It's okay, however, to busy oneself so that all of their day goes to this. And I'm not talking about those who that's their job because they're reporters and correspondents. And that. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the everyday Joe Smoke. to indulge in that all day. It will come to a point where it's problematic. Why? Because it will distract you from things which are of more benefit, like reading about, yani, uh, yani books about your religion, to learn, learn about your religion, reading the Qur'an, contemplating over the Qur'an, reading the narration of the Prophet, seeking knowledge, so on and so forth. Now, it, 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 and it distracts you from that which is of more benefit to you. Now, this has been made easy for some to stay away from that, which yani uh, to abstain from things that are doubtful and things that don't have a great benefit in it for them. Allah ta'ala has made this easy for some individuals, right? Uh, an example of this, Paula Hassan bin Abi Sufyan, he mentions he says, Mashe un ehwanu Al wara. He said there is nothing that is easier than wara. He says either Yani Shay." He said if something makes you down, just leave it alone. Now Imam Ibn Rajab, Imam Rajab, he mentions, he says, ma He said this was easy for him. Yashalu ala, Mithl He said this was easy for the likes of Hassan. But this is not something that is just easy for everyone. It's not something that is easy for everyone. For some people, it's very difficult. And to show you to what extent, there's another example of one who this was easy for, and that was uh, Muhammad bin Salim. Hisham bin Hassan, he said, He Muhammad bin مُحَمَّدَ بِن سِلِينَ لَا تَرَوْنَ بِهِ الْيَوْمَ بَأْسًا he said that Muhammad bin Sinin, he left off, he abstained from 40,000 affairs of which you all today see no problem with. 40,000 issues he abstained from and said, no, I'm going to leave that alone. Right. So it requires a degree of effort and it requires that we put forth. Yani uh, some diligence as relates to it because it's for some people is easy but not for for everyone. Imam or al-Alama Urthamin uh, taala he mentions about this hadith. He says, "Had hadith kalim." He said, "This hadith is from those small statements that carry a tremendous meaning. Wa how beneficial and how much it covers uh, yani for, for the slave for the servant na-im. if anything becomes what doubtful upon him how beneficial it is for him to utilize this narration na-im. and he says so therefore yani leave alone that which is doubtful and stick to that which is not doubtful Naam leave alone that which is doubtful and stick to that which there's no doubt in it hatta until you become at ease you feel at ease naam and this is in general if you leave alone that which is doubtful then in general you will feel more at ease you will feel more at ease naam he also went on to say he said have the fi he said this is also applicable to the acts of worship and he brings two very good examples he said it's also applicable to the acts of worship وَيَكُونَ فِي مُعَمِلَاتٍ And it's also in how you interact and you deal with one another. It's how you interact and you deal with one another. This principle is so vital and it enters into so many different aspects. It rectifies your life in so many different ways. For example, we'll get to the ibadat, to the worship, right? How it rectifies. But think about how it works in interacting with different people. Nah. If you have doubt in what you're about to say as relates to how it will be perceived or taken by the person in which you're saying it to, don't say it. If you don't know, if I say this, am I gonna make them mad or happy? Am I gonna upset them or bring to them ease? Is this gonna start an argument or a deep discussion? You don't know, don't say it. How many relationships would have been saved? How many arguments have been started because a person said one statement that was out of line to the person that heard it, right? Uh, that led to an argument where so many more things were said. Right? So this is a situation that will benefit us across the board. How many times have an individual have said something and then thus put their foot in their mouth? Well, now you have regret, Damn. so. In the, the likes of this particular affair, it behooves us to abstain from speaking when nothing needs to be said. Naam. To abstain from speaking when nothing needs to be said. Well, on this particular issue, as the ulema, they explained that silence, bil asir, it's not hard. Silence is not difficult. It's not difficult just to not say anything. Naam. The poet, one of the poets he mentions, he says He said that silence is an adornment and being quiet is safety And if you speak, then don't be one who just blabbers you know, don't be a blabber mouth. That if you do speak, then be very careful and, and concise and precise in what you say. Don't just blabber and, and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. Now, when I end, and if you were ever to be regretful for what you said, That if one time you was regretful, excuse me, and if one time you was regretful because you were quiet, then no doubt you will be regretful for the things that you say many times over. If one time you was regretful because you didn't say something, then without doubt you will be regretful many, many, many times for talking. Now, and this is, this is, uh, the reality of the situation Muqala Hatim Hatim He mentions Al-wajib al al He says that it is Incumbent upon The one who has an intellect That he stick to being quiet Illa al at Until he has to speak Fama aktharu He said because how many are are those who are regretful because they have said something and how few are those who are regretful because they were quiet, because they were silent. So this is just an example to show how this principle, it will benefit us in our day-to-day lives. Also, he says, And likewise, this should be uh, implemented as relates to marriage and those affairs connected to it. And it's applicable in every science, in every area of knowledge, then you will find this is applicable. And as relates to an example of how this principle is applied to worship, the Sheikh mentions, he says, there's a man. And taqabbah wudu his wudu, he breaks his wudu. So his state of being in a state of purity, ablution, he breaks it, right? Being by passing wind, going to the bathroom, so on and so forth. Right? A person breaks his 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 wudu. Then he prays. Then he prays. He broke his wudu, then he prayed. Then he has doubt He remembers clearly breaking his wudu Right And then he prayed Then after he prayed he remembered I remember breaking my wubu But I don't know If I made wudu after that now Then after that he has doubt Did he break his wubu Am la or no Right So now he's in a state of doubt Now he's in a state of doubt the situation go either two ways. If he made wudu, then his salah is correct, it counts. Right? But but if he did not make wudu, then his salah does not count. Right? So remember, he remembers clearly he broke his wudu. And he's not sure on whether he made wudu or not. So, Shaykh Rath Amini goes on and he says, So, this individual at this state, he will be in a state of worry, in a state of apprehensiveness. He's unsure. Right? He says, So, we say, Leave that which makes you doubt for that which does not make you doubt. So, what is in doubt here is what? is whether or not his salah is 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 correct is accepted is is acceptable that in which he has doubt in Nam, what is that in which he's sure of what is that which he's sure of he's he, he's doubtful on whether or not his salah is correct the doubt i mean what is that in which he's certain of? that mu and what he's has no doubt about is that what if he were to that if he make wudu and then pray does he have any doubt on that outcome no No. he knows okay if I make wudu again and I pray then I know I did was right but if I leave it as is right now I don't know maybe maybe not because I don't remember right So in that situation, when you apply this principle, then what will be the ruling? It will be he has to make wudu and he has to pray. Why? Because the doubt is whether or not he made wudu. He's doubtful about that. So then you throw that out. Right? Because he remembers clearly. He clearly remembers breaking wudu. He's certain. He knows. I know I broke wudu. But I'm not sure if I made wudu after that. You with me? So in that situation, what does he stick to? He sticks to the certainty that he know he broke wudu. Go back to what you know. Go back to what you know. Breaking wudu is clear. So therefore, make wudu, pray. So we can't say after he finished, because sometimes it happens. You finish praying, and then you remember, subhanallah, I broke wudu. Right? So you remember, I remember breaking wudu. But did I make wudu after that? I don't know. I don't know what to do. So this principle tells us and gives us direction in our lives. What do we do? We make wabu, we pray again. We can't rely on that because we Yani, yeah, I mean, whether or not our prayers accepted, meaning whether or not we pray to Wu we don't know. So we leave the doubt and we go, What's certain? And what's certain is I not I know I broke my wubu. I know I broke my wubu. That makes sense. So this 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 rule is go with the yaqeen la hey, yazulub uh, shak. That's where this comes from. Yeah, okay. Nah, yeah. nah, that's where this comes from. That certainty is not removed by doubt. It's, if a person is certain about something, then it's not removed by doubt, right? And that's very important too. Uh, and it enters in, in, into so many different things. But uh, uh, for example, a person enters into Islam, right? Um... Then it's clear this is a Muslim, right? If we don't see that person for a long time, the, 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 Yanni, is it valid to come back and say, well, I don't know if they're still Muslim? You can't say that. We know that they're a Muslim. They're Muslim. Your doubt is not, Yanni, you know. Likewise, Yanni, the, and one of the principles that comes from that is that, um, that things will stay upon what they were upon. Unless what? Well, unless there comes certain knowledge to remove that. So if a person is known to be, from the people of the Sunnah, this is what they're known for, be a person of the Sunnah. That doesn't expire with the passage of time. So now time goes on and you say, well, I don't know if they're still upon the Sunnah. You, how, can you, how can you say that? You don't know. The, it goes back to the origin, and the origin is that it was affirmed that they were upon the Sunnah. We know this with certainty. So just because time has passed, we can't use your doubt to say that they are no longer upon the Sunnah, right? To say, well, I don't know. Well, you not knowing does not remove what has already been established upon certainty. And that is the person was a person upon the Sunnah. The only way that that could be changed, right? Is that if there comes certainty that a person has fallen into that, that will remove them from the Sunnah. Now. That they fell into that, that were moving from the sunnah upon certainty, Then we can say, okay, that person now is no longer upon the sunnah. And so as you see, this this principle enters into so many different different uh, affairs. The sheikh he brings, he says, well, acts, he brings an example of the opposite of the of the of Sabbath, the opposite of the previous um, example, and that is this is the scenario, right? You got a man rojulun. A man He made wudu He made wudu he, he knows, he remembers I made wudu Then he prays Then after he finishes the prayer Then he doubts Did he break his wudu Or not You, you caught the scenario A person makes wudu He, he remembers Remember making wudu then he prays. After he finishes the prayer, he says, Subhanallah, did I break wudu? He has doubt. He don't remember breaking wudu. But something makes him have doubt that maybe I broke wudu. I'm not sure. What does he do? Who else? He said in Arabic, so... They still gives an opportunity. Who else? <laughs> 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 <I can't understand. laughs> huh? So, what else? What, what they do they, make, well, they do? Do they make the wudu again and pray or no, no, they leave no, it as is? Nah, they don't make wudu. Why? Because what are they certain about? Because he has yaqeen and they make wudu. He has yaqeen that he made wudu. Because yeah. he's certain, he knows 100%. I know I made wudu. Yeah. Me making wudu is not a question. What's the question? What's the doubt? If he broke, broke. it. Now, nah, the doubt is if he broke the wudu. Now, nah. likewise, if there's, you know, because, you know, divorce is three, right? If a couple been married for years, right, and then they have or had issues, right? So the husband pronounced divorce. Now they reach a point years later where the couple is sitting there and they're saying, well, how many times have we divorced? Right? And they say, one or two. One or two? Which number is it, based upon this principle? One One or two, we go back to one? One. Because you don't know. Certain for one. Because everyone is certain, I know it was one. Yeah. I'm not sure if it was two. Yeah. One, we all agree, I know it was one. Two, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe not. Remember that time he was mad, did you say it? <sighs> maybe. maybe, don't remember. Maybe I said it. I'm not sure. So then what? Just one. Just one. Okay, you're praying, and then while you're standing there, you don't remember what rock are you in. Then I pray one or two, two or three. Let's say two or three. Let's change it up, right? You don't know. So now you're saying, did I pray two or three? I don't remember. It happens. Sometimes we we get, you know, you forgetful. It happens, right? Yeah. Right? Or you're in the last rockout. Right? You're in the last rockout. And then you say to yourself, oh, is this the last rockout? Well, i gotta put another one. I don't know. And you start to panic because you don't know. What do you do? Is it two or three? Which one is it? No, two. Two. Two? Yeah. Why? Because you're certain... Now, you're certain it's two. What you're you're uncertain about if it's three. Okay, so if in the last rak'ah of Asr or Isha, now you're stuck between which two numbers? Whether it was three or four. four. So now in this case, do you say, nah, I'm going to go with four. I'm going to test him out. Can you do that? No. You got to go to what you're certain about. Like four? I don't know if it's four. But I definitely know I prayed three. I definitely know I prayed three, so it's going to be three. So then you complete and bring another and make it four. Right? And then you make the, then you make the prostrations of forgiveness at the end because you lost track of the number. And then that will take care of if you added an extra one or not. Right? It will take care if you added an extra one or not. Because when you're in that situation, you're either going to pray an extra raka or you're going to pray the correct number of rakaat. So you pray the extra one, the two prostrations will alleviate that. And if you pray the correct number, the two prostrations will alleviate you losing track of how many uh, units of prayer you prayed. And these are just some examples of how it enters into everyday life, our everyday life, right? So it's of extreme importance, of extreme importance. And likewise, it enters into the niya and so on and so forth. A person, for example... They, they make a wusul on Friday for Jumu'ah, right? Uh, on Yomu Jumu'ah, yeah. they make a husu. But, but every morning they get up and they make a russo. Every morning they get up and they make a shower, right? So now he, he, he takes his shower and he knows, I know I took a shower this morning, I take a shower every morning. But did I take that shower with the intention of taking it for Yomu Jumu'ah? Because actions are by their intentions. In order to be rewarded for taking a shower specifically for Jumu'ah, you have to have that intention when you take the shower. Right, so now what does he do? Do we say, nah, I'm good, I took a shower anyway. If he wants to get that reward, he has to do what? Jump back in the shower. Take another ghusu. Right, because this ghusu is for jummah, The other ghusu is for cleanliness, to get clean and you know, so on and so forth uh, and the like. So he gets back in and like, so and, and so on and so forth, like this. Does this principle enter into so many aspects of our life? Yeah, so many aspects of our life. So it's of extreme importance that we know it so that we may benefit from it religiously in terms of our worldly affairs, so on and so forth. We have to implement the principles and each hadith inside of this collection. And these are just from the ahadith of Ahkam, the other ahadith, but you will, Yani, in of in Usul, is that. uh, every hadith has a principle in it. Every hadith has a principle in it that will benefit you in so many aspects of your life, right? Um, whether that be religiously and or worldly, it benefits. And that is the beauty of Islam, is that we have guidance in our religious affairs and we have guidance in our worldly affairs. Now, we have guidance from everything, from how we interact and how we speak to one another for how we yani you know, run our governments right and from that which is even more important than those worldly things in how we worship our lord how we believe correctly in allah how we believe correctly in the angels the messengers the books the day of judgment yani you know, divine decree so on and so forth now we have guidance in every aspect of our lives now and that's why uh, as as I learned from the ulama, map, um, always remind myself in classes and side of sermons to say, Alhamdulillah ala All praise and thanks belong to Allah for guiding us to Islam and for guiding us to the Sunnah. Yani the more uh, literal translation of that is, All praise and thanks belong to Allah for the bounty for the bounty of Islam for the bounty of the Sunnah, meaning the bounty that he's bestowed upon us in guiding us to Islam and for guiding us to the way of his Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and then the, the Sheikh, he brings two points of benefit that we get from this hadith that we will mention uh, and that is the first one is that we leave alone يعني, ريب, ريبة, that we leave alone that which has in it doubt, so that which is doubt we leave it doesn't count and we take to that which there is no doubt in it نعم? and the second point of benefit that we get and that leaving alone that which we have doubt in fihi wa min is that when we leave alone that which causes doubt that which we are apprehensive about then as a result of that, we feel secure within ourselves, and it brings and we are safe for any type of worry, any type of, of anxiety. Right? It's like the, the aforementioned um, example. If there was money, some of it was stolen, some of it was okay. Okay. Let's say the stolen money was marked. The stolen money was marked. So some people came and they start taking off the table. Well, I'm gonna be all right. and they start taking off the table, and then the cops raid and they and they break in. And they start patting everybody down. The person that avoided the doubtful matters, they are fine. They're not nervous and not breaking a sweat because they know I don't got no stolen money on me because I didn't take nothing from that table. So I'm okay. You can check me all day long. Can I search your bag? Yep. I have nothing to hide because I didn't take nothing from that table. Right? Whereas if a person took a few bills, they're going to be worried. Can I search your bag? They worried, you know, asking for a lawyer, you know, whatever the case is, because they don't know. Maybe I got some uh, some stuff I shouldn't ain't have I now. Hey my rights. <laughs> no, I'm in my bag. Ain't ain't you know. Hey, <laughs> <Ain't laughs> you know, and you know, this is maybe an extreme example, but this is the reality. When 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 you avoid that which causes you doubt, you have no worries. You sleep fine because you, you there's no worries. I know that I I had doubt. So I didn't do it. So I know I'm good. Now, it's very important. It's very important, it's very important, it's very important, and again, you can apply that to every which way, shape, and form. You know, that's one of the the beauties of Islam. The the Muslim who, they're involved in healthy relationships and they only have relationships inside of the uh, institution of marriage, right? They don't have to worry about catching AIDS due to, you know, sexual indiscretions. Why? Because they know I don't so I don't worry about that, right? And so on and so forth. These things are tremendous importance, but they will cause ease in one's life in every which way, shape, and form. And then the Shaykh, Alhamdulillah, <laughs> Taala, he goes on to mention the next Hadith. Which is another hadith that is tremendously important, as all of the hadith inside of this collection are. But it's another one of those hadith that are very short in its wording, but it has a tremendous and very big meaning. But inshallah ta'ala, we will save that until next week's class at this same time. Bi'ithni ta'ala. Fa naqtafi bihad al Qadr. Rasulallahu alayhi Ala Muhammad. Wa آله وصحبه wa وجزاكم الله خيرا.